Bibles to Romans chapter 12. We'll just hear the word and we're going to respond um, after the message this morning and expect God to do something very new in all of our lives this morning, myself included. How of you want God to do something new in your life? I really do. So he works with our expectations. He doesn't work with our blank. Uh, he works with our desires that we really want to reach, reach for Jesus. And those who seek him will find him and be rewarded. So Romans 12, verse 1 to, to 2, we'll just read this. The word of God says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, who, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will know what God wants to do. How many of you know that if you don't know what God wants to do and your mind is, is out of kilter with what God wants to do, you actually won't prove or see God's will happening in your life. And so your mind is very important and uh, mindlessness is not God. He uses your mind. But your mind can either open the way for a miracle or for the work of God in your life or in somebody else's that you're reaching, or it can stop what God wants to do. And I know in my walk with Jesus over the years that that process of changing my thinking never stops. It never stops. Now, we are a people of the word. Our minds have to be renewed according to the truth of God's word, which is unchanging and eternal. But the spirit lives within us to communicate truth to us. And so we need the word and the spirit to have the mind of Christ. Now, it's a fact that because the spirit lives in every believer, the truth of God's word says that you have the mind of Christ. But right now, you could be thinking about what you're going to buy later at the shops. That is not the mind of Christ for this moment. So we, we know by experience that we can, uh, in truth, have the mind of Christ, because that's what the Bible says we have, but also our mind can be way off course, because our thoughts are not the thoughts of God. And God thinks very differently to you and to me without having his mind. If we're in the human mind, it's a real problem to God. Romans 8 actually says the mind set on the flesh or 
Another translation says the mind of sense and reason. Think of that. Sense is what you feel. Your senses, what is revealed to your senses, what you think, what you know, what you feel and experience naturally. The mind set on the flesh is death and actually is hostile or enmity against God. So your mind that isn't filled with God's thoughts, I think this is a biggie, isn't neutral. It's against God. I think that's a big statement from Romans 8. If your mind is on natural things and on your this world, the things of this earth, earthly wisdom. Oh. Many people say earth, somebody's really wise, but actually their wisdom isn't anything to do with God's wisdom, the wisdom of the ages, God. It's to do with human wisdom, which is sensual. And it's human knowledge. Now that doesn't mean to say we um, shouldn't be educated. That's not what the word is saying, but our minds should be transformed. That word transformed means transfigured or changed. That's the word that is used to describe Jesus when he was transfigured on the mountain. You remember he went up the mountain with Peter, James and John and he was changed in their eyes. And what was transformed was that he became light, shone in all brightness and so the renewed mind is filled with the light of God, the revelation that Jesus is bringing in that moment. And so it's a process, but it's vital if you and I are to live according to what Jesus has for us to live in. If I um, imagine, send, sort of present this scene, if someone's praying, and they're, they're praying like this. Lord, please come down. Is that the mind of Christ? No. But how many people pray, Lord, please come? When Jesus said, he's here. I will never leave you or forsake you. So he has rent the heavens and come down. Because he lives in you. This is one of the greatest revelations that the church need. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not, we know that Jesus is in heaven, that he's seated at the right hand of the Father. But the miracle is right now where you're sitting, if you're a believer, Christ lives in you. And your thinking either releases what God wants to do, or blocks it. And I, for one, and I know you're the same, I do believe it, I don't want to block God. I want him to work in my life and through my life. And so the reasoning or the logic or the intellect can either serve God through being tra transformed by him, or stop God. And sometimes, you know, as Christians, we think we're right about everything because we have one way of looking at it. 
But the spirit often crashes in and changes us. Has anybody had that kind of upset in your head? When you thought like that and then God says, actually, I'm going to change that. I'm going to do that. And that's the mind of the spirit. I remember when God first spoke to us about planting a church here. It was a definite, can't be, can't be God. I literally could not get my head around it. It was like, are you kidding, Lord? I'm sure that's not God. And sometimes we can refuse the very things that God is speaking because our mindset is so set on what we think we know and we're not movable. We're not flexible. We're like that wineskin that can't move with the Holy Spirit. And in this day, we need a move of God. Our nation needs a move of God. The people around us need to know Jesus. And unless we are free from the carnal mindset, this natural sense and reason head, and are constantly being changed and asking God, Lord, what, what's, how do you see this? What, what's your perspective on this? And live by the truth of the word, led by the spirit of God, we won't be able to help, nor will we be able to be part of a move of God. And I believe there's a move of God waiting inside each one of us. Wowzers. You can bring a move of God, but sometimes it's just your head needs to change and say, well, that's Christ is in me. Of course I can. Of course I can, because he lives in me. So we can block or release the floodgates of God in our lives with our, our thinking. Now, it's not thinking alone that will do it, but without your thinking changed to be in line with the mind of Christ, with the truth of God's word, with the spirit-given word, then there won't be this release of the power and the supernatural grace of God. Moses, um, I, bit, I was looking at it last week. You remember when he was leading God's people out of the wilderness and uh, the plan was into the promised land. And God was providing for them uh, through manna every day from heaven. Wow, isn't that a great mindset? That every day God will provide. That's our thinking. That's how we should be thinking. Our heavenly father cares and he will provide for everything. And Moses um, was told to tell the people because they'd asked for meat. They got a bit fed up eating manna. They were bored. And so they started to complain and said, basically, we want something different. Give us meat. Now, there aren't many butchers in the wilderness. Not many shops. There are no shops in the wilderness. And um, Moses boldly declared, the Lord will provide meat. And he went to the Lord and said, I'm just reasoning this out, Lord. You can read it in Numbers 11. I'm just reasoning this out. There are 600,000 men, a bit more than the 5,000 plus 
um, women and children that Jesus fed. 600,000 men, probably two to three million people. In the wilderness, uh, it would require all the flocks and herds and all the fish of the sea suddenly to arrive in our camp. So in other words, this is unreasonable. How on earth are you going to meet the massive needs? Moses is talking to God here. How on earth are you going to do this? And God speaks back to Moses and he asks a question. Has the Lord's arm been shortened? So in other words, do I have less power than the problem you're facing? Wow. Has Jesus' power, God's power, lessened in this generation? Is there less power in Christ right now? So is there less power in the church right now? Is there less power in you right now? Not because of you, but because of Christ in you. And Moses, with all his reasoning on how on earth are we going to see God provide in this situation, God spoke to Moses and said, you just need to clear up your thinking about who I am. You need an upgrade in your head about the size of me in comparison to the size of the world's needs. Our God is able to provide more than we will ever need. And in every season, no matter what's going on in our world, no matter what wilderness things look like, Jesus is still the same God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever but you need to clear up your mind and start to think big thoughts about God. There's enough news in the media about what on earth are we going to do with the economy. Well, church, what are we going to do believing God? Is his arm too short to save you, to provide for you? Come on, question, is it? What are you going to say back? Moses said, fine, I can go back to the people and boldly say, and you know, God sent a wind and the, the quail. You remember the quail landed? The thing is, well, there's another story in there because they complained it, it, it went all horrid. Uh, but God was proving to Moses and to the people, I can provide for you. I can provide for millions in a day. How many of you got faith to grab that one? I can change a nation in a day. I can provide for all the refugees. And your mind, if you're not careful, can downsize God. But he's not for downsizing. He is God. And he created the worlds, the heavens, and the earth. How much more can he provide for his own people? God will provide. There is an interesting, um, this is just the introduction, by the way. Turn to John chapter 6. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's a long introduction, isn't it? 
Loving it? Loving it? Love the word of God? Do you love the word of God? (laughs) Okay, John chapter 9. I just want us to see how Jesus is seeing a situation and how the disciples were seeing. And, um, well, we just read it and and then we'll talk about it. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. The works of God revealed in him. So, Jesus and the disciples are seeing the same situation, just as in your life and the people you pass by every day, he sees. But sometimes he thinks extremely differently to how you and I see or think. And he sees, they see the blind man. Now, the disciples have a bit of theology in them. Do you know what that theology is? Well, we've all sinned. And that's the truth. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, Adam sinned and sin entered every man through Adam. Okay, so Jesus, it's true, died for our sins. God hates sin. But Jesus isn't looking at that person with punishment, judgment, tracing the problem back to what wrong he did. He is looking at that situation with compassion, with grace, saying how I, I believe I, God wants to get him out of this. I believe God wants him out of this. Not, what did you do to get into it? And so many times the religious mind is always looking for what happened to let you get into that. Always coming up with reason solutions. Now there's an element of truth in it that we've all sinned. So what do we deserve from God? Nothing. But God is merciful. God is gracious. He gives everything to those who deserve nothing. And so when Jesus sees this blind man, this situation, he does not go back to the past. He lives in the today, a miracle is needed. And he didn't ask this man to believe in him first. He had to act in faith for a miracle because Jesus then put uh, clay made from spit and soil, what a, what a thing, onto his eyes and said, then gave him a word that he had to act on. That's faith. The man had to act in faith because God works with faith. But the disciples had wrong thinking. They were looking at a person who was in great need, saying, well, they're to blame, or their parents are to blame. 
How many of you, like, don't want anybody to say about your kids that you're to blame? What an awful thing to live with. But it's even worse to live with, I'm to blame. And Jesus, he's so generous, he's not treating us with what we deserve. God is generous and he doesn't fault find. Revolution of grace. He doesn't find fault. He sorts the problem. But then afterwards, he, he sees the guy again in the temple and he said, do you believe in the Son of God? Who is he that I might believe? Because this man now sees. After acting on the word, he had to act on the word. Then he believed. Love it. The miracle came first. The help came first. The salvation came next. But it was the wonderful works of God revealed. I think sometimes we get on our soapboxes as the church. And we say they're worse sinners than them. And so we can't reach them. Because we're not willing to go in and see a work of God which is a miracle. A miracle change. God is able to work a miracle change in every single person. And he wants his followers to have that mindset. Well, this mess is, is, is God wants to do a wonderful work. Well, that person has gone completely wrong. God wants to do a, a wonderful work in them. What a mindset. How many of you want to work with the work of God? Every person or situation that presents itself, step back and say, well, God wants to do a wonderful good work. Could you let me in on it so I can work with you? And see that work happen in their lives. Religious thinking can be so set on your rightness that you miss the grace and the generosity of Jesus to help people out of their pits. And bring them up to a place where, right, okay, now, now you're healed. Perhaps best not to go back again into what you were in. He leads us into a new way of living, doesn't he, afterwards. I've realized with the Lord, he saved me first before he changed me. I was saved and I am now in a process of change. Isn't he gracious? He doesn't say, I'll, 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 sort, I'll help you as long as you change. He changes me in it. He's so good to me and he loves us so much. And his heart is for people who are in a situation they can't get out of. Let's be a people who help people out before we tell them our doctrines. Let's be moved with the mind of Christ in every situation to help people come out. The disciples were blocking and Jesus was opening the way for a miracle. Praise God. I'd uh, got this word, and this is where we're going to kind of land today. But let's look at Matthew. Matthew 14. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew chapter 14. Thank you, Lord. 
this message on renewing your mind. It's not just for you. It's for many people who God wants to use you to help and heal and bring out of their pits of despair. If we judge people and always work out why they got into the mess they're in, we can't help them. And it'll only compound their thinking, I'm the problem, I've always been the problem, but God wants to lift and help people through us. A renewed mind, the way you think matters. It really, really matters. Now, Matthew 14. I've been really living with this over the past three weeks, actually. And I love to preach getting out of the boat. It's, it's one of my kind of, yeah, I love that, because I know what it feels like to be out. I know what it's like to walk in the supernatural. I know what it's like to see the Spirit doing things in people's lives, bodies healed, people saved. I know what it's like to walk in the adventure of God providing for you when you give your last penny. I know what it's like to walk in the supernatural. And I hate it when I'm in a boat. I actually know I'm not a boat dweller. If you put me, and I don't think anybody present would be offended, but if you put me on a narrow boat, I hope you won't be offended, and got me chuntering up the the, the broads or wherever I am on this narrow canal, I'd be like, ah, get me out. Because I like adventure. I like broad places. I don't like confined spaces and predictability. But as that is naturally, how much more is that in your heart where Christ lives? Doesn't he want an adventure through your life? I hope he's not bored in me. Locked into my mentality about what is possible for him to do through me. And so narrow boat experience and boat living is really where I never want to live, spiritually speaking. Up and down, up and down, same scene, same scene. A spiritual groundhog day, I call it. It's all the same. Go to church, go to work, pray in the mornings because I'm a good person. I, I read my Bible, go to work, pray, back to church. How about an adventure midweek? <laughs> How about walking along, seeing somebody and saying, oh, wonderful work of God here. Right, Lord, what shall we do? Rather than, oh, bless you. Sorry you're in that. I wonder why they're in that. But our thinking completely changed. And so this boat, I'm going to speak about getting out of the boat, being getting out of a, a mental kind of preset thought about what God will do with your life and through you into a supernatural walk. So I'm calling you up to the Christ in you. Not to who you are naturally. 
actually, that's not what's important. It's Christ in you that's the hope of your life, but also the people around you. So let's read this. I know many of you will know this story, but it's a wonderful story. It's about Jesus asking his disciples to get into the boat before him. So they're in the will of God. They're doing what Jesus says. You got. I love these disciples. Do you? The more I read about them, the more I love them. Because I can learn from them and I love the way they're setting their heart on following Jesus. It's really their desire to do what Jesus wants them to do. So they're in the boat. They're going before him to the other side. While he sent the multitudes away, just fed the 5,000. And when he sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. And the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, which was pretty late, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when his disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. We're going to stop there. There are many messages I've heard uh, about sinking. That's not my message. I've experienced it, and praise God, he's the lifter. Has anybody ever known... I'm sinking and he pulled you out. Okay, that's not the message. And it is a negative Christianity just pulls that out. It's actually what God wants in our heads is, I can do that. If he calls me to it, I can do it. I can do that. Now, what I love about this is that they're all in the same boat. And it's the normal way of doing life. And there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, so there's nothing wrong with traveling in a boat. If we were always walking on water, I think it would be silly. But there are occasions where we do need to walk in incredible ways. I don't know if you're open for that in your life. Anybody open for that? That you are actually designed to walk in an incredible way and have moments of, wowzers, is that, did that just happen? That was so exciting. Anyway, don't get too excited in your seat, but I will. But, you know, I met a guy who came and preached once in, in the Bible college. And he was from a place called Nagaland. It's, it's, I've never met anybody so full of Jesus. And all he could say all the time, he was just a little round man. <laughs> and uh, a little smiley face. And he used to say, isn't Jesus wonderful? So most of his message was, isn't Jesus wonderful? Anyway, he was talking about, you go to, they, in Nagaland there are headhunters. So rather than listen to you, they want your head. 
They want to take your head, so they, they don't want you to talk. And they were on mission to these, this headhunting tribe. And he was so humble. He, you knew it was him who walked on water, literally. Literally. Uh, but he didn't want to say it was him. So he said a group of us, which th there were a few of them that did. And they were on mission. This river was in full flood and they couldn't get across. So um, they prayed and the Lord told them to walk. So instead of one of them, five of them walked across and saw a move of God. Many people saved in the tribe they were reaching. Now there was a reason a kingdom purpose for that. Not, look, I've got a, a kind of a paddling pool in my garden. Let's try. It's actually for the kingdom. It's actually to, for God to do something. Okay, so this is not sensationalism. It's actually got a purpose to it. And actually the purpose in Peter's life was actually to change the way he thought about how he could walk. How many of you want to change the way you think about how you can walk? So that you can walk in a completely new dimension in God. So they all, in the boat, all see Jesus doing something they didn't think a person could do. Because remember, Jesus became flesh. He limited himself to humanity empowered by the Spirit. So he didn't do this as God. He did it as a man by the power of the Spirit. Amen. And he actually said of every disciple, whoever believes in me, I don't know if your head can grasp this. See if you can change those cogs that are going around in your head. Whoever believes in me will do the same works as I do and greater still. How's your head doing? See, we need to repent up here. Not just from sin, but repent. Change the way we think about how we can live our lives. Because without repentance, you will stop what God wants to do. So these guys in the boat, 11, 11 of them said, oh, there's absolutely no need to do what Jesus is doing today. I can get there like this. I know it's hard work and it's a struggle and I know everything's against me, but I'm one of those, I'll endure. I've got grit determination. I'll get to the other side. And they probably would have. But they wouldn't have had an adventure. speaking to you this morning in the name of the Lord, calling you into an adventure. An adventure. A new thing. Something new that God wants to do through your life and in your life. Not same old. Bright. New. This dinosaur thinking. It's got to come something fresh in God. Something fresh in God. For real. Not out there with us. With me. With you. 
Amen. We should be a people of adventure. Not waiting to see what's going to happen in the boat. Will he sink? Won't he sink? Peter, I wouldn't do that. I'm not made for it. You're not Jesus. Hold on, guys. We're about to lose one of our own. What happened? What happened in Peter? Do you not want to be like him? I, I, I look at him and go, Lord, nothing in my DNA says I want to be in the boat. Is anybody? Anybody? The one I want to be like is Peter. And I can imagine him you know, like, um, you know, the, every boat has a side hanging over there. The wind was contrary. It must have been pretty awful conditions. Um, and I wouldn't do that because I think I'd have been feeling a bit peaky, <laughs> a little bit, you know, unsettled. But anyway, I can imagine Peter hanging onto the, the side going, everybody heard it was Jesus. So this isn't a kind of a whim and a fancy it's actually him. Jesus is actually working. Jesus actually works all the time. He said, my father is working and so am I. So in other words, he's never stopped working. It's just that we've stopped seeing. It's just that we stop seeing what he's doing. Because we're so locked in to what we think and feel and sense and reason. Rather than allowing God to communicate to us. And so Peter's hanging over the edge, and he's like a horse. Do you, you know when they do the races, Ascot, this week? How they're there. They just want to go. The others are sitting back going, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Peter's like this. He's on the front foot. Just, just get, me, get me out into that. He said, if it is you, command me to come. I want you to notice something. Peter isn't in charge of the walk. Jesus is. Faith has Jesus in charge and waits for the command, waits for the word to come. Now, the mindset Peter had was exciting. I want that. I want to do miracles, Lord. I want to have a word of knowledge this morning. I want to prophesy this morning. I want to see healing this morning. I want to see you work in our hearts and minds and bodies this morning. Lord, that's my mindset. But I need to hear your word before I can have faith. Because faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word. So I might be seeing what Jesus is doing, but I need the word. The word comes. When the word comes, when Jesus says come, Peter has faith. And you only have faith after hearing. So this isn't about, I'm going to launch and God bless it. It's about hearing the word that you can launch out on. Is this you, Lord? If it is, speak. And I will have faith to walk as you're walking. 
Faith to walk as you're walking. Wow. You see, Peter is actually known to be impulsive. I'm going to finish this. How of you love the side of Peter that actually cuts off the guard's ear and Jesus has to heal and put it back? He's the ideas man on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's come up with a great plan. Jesus, let's just build a tabernacle. Let's have three. One each. He speaks against Jesus. Can you believe he did that? Jesus speaks about suffering and going to the cross. Peter says, oh, not, no. No, you got it wrong. You're, you're, that, that, that is not on the agenda. We're doing well at the moment. <laughs> and Jesus says, get behind me. He's the only disciple who had this spoken. Get behind me, Satan. You have the mind, the things of Satan, not of God. Things of man, not of God. Human thinking, Satan's behind. Ooh. So this is not a rash, haste walk. It's a faith walk because you're hearing him and you're seeing him. But boat mentality will mean you travel by what you can do. Peter had his mind renewed as to what was possible because he saw Jesus doing it. And then he said, Lord, speak. In this moment, in this situation I'm facing, in my life, in this moment where I'm struggling against the, the wind and the waves, or if I'm, I'm taking, thinking of taking a step, Lord, I don't want to take a step without you saying, come. Because you are the one who gives the grace to walk on water. See, Jesus wanted to show the whole boat. Basically, he's, he's in dominion over every problem. He was basically bossing it. That's the terminology of our day. Because he bosses everything, because he's Lord. He's, he's, he's in dominion. He's in victory. And he wants us to walk as he walked. Do you have a mind for it? Is your mind able this morning, whatever your condition, whatever your background, whatever you've been in in the past, do you have a mind for something so supernatural that only he can communicate to you what to do? When you read the Bible, do you see, oh Jesus, you're so amazing. I want to do that. Not, oh Jesus, you're amazing. I'm glad you did it. It's a completely different viewpoint. I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to put my finger in somebody's ear and heal them. I don't know about the spitting. <laughs> but if you tell me to, I will. I'll do whatever you ask of me. But the kingdom, you see, the kingdom of heaven is not just talk. 
It's power. It's power. And Peter, you know, everybody else would talk about what Peter did. And we've always talked about what Peter did in the church. And it's always encouraged somebody in the church to go, fair enough, let's do it. They've always been the 11 that stay behind. And don't want. But there's one or two or ten. In our nation, there might be 500. There might be a massive amount of people who want to walk as Jesus walked. And I can't answer for you. But I can only answer for me. And there is grace. You see, we've been talking a lot about God's grace. Not just God's grace to get through situations, but God's grace to walk in a completely different dimension. And we're not just here for ourselves. God's grace to walk as Jesus walked. Doing the wonderful work of God. So people can taste and see that he is good. Like the blind man, he's not condemning me. He didn't come into the world to condemn, but to save. And he works with every person differently. He sees so differently to us. May we live with the mind of Christ, adjust our thinking, hear his voice so that we have faith to act. I'm going to finish with this. Even after hearing, Peter could have stayed in. But there he is on the edge of the boat, gets his leg over, and keeps his eyes on Jesus. And he's going, no, no worries, brilliant. Starts to look somewhere else. We know the story. However, if you have faith and have heard God and don't move, guess what? Nothing will happen. You'll be a boat dweller. But it's only when you step out in faith will you see the power of God move. Praise God. And so, what is God saying to you today, to us? Do you need to repent in your head? Change the way you think. And I must say, if anybody in this room says no, I need to lay hands on you. Because if we repent to the mind of Christ, it's so amazing that actually we all need an upgrade, myself included. You're very proud if you think you've got it together in your head. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you think like he thinks. Stop judging people for how they got into the mess, but see the power, bring them out, and then preach Jesus to them so that they can be saved. And in your own life, whatever you're struggling with, Jesus has already won the victory. But he will lead you out into winning it by hearing Hearing, hearing, hearing. So let's stand. We're going to finish there. Thank you, Jesus. Just pray together now and see what God wants to do this morning. Out the boat.
out the boat, just to uh, listen. One of the things that um, I think would be good to do is just pray in tongues. So let pray in the Spirit, because the Spirit prays through us. And just let, allow the Holy Spirit just to build up your, your spirit man, build yourself up in, in the Holy Spirit praying. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaithsw.com.